Hey everybody and welcome to the latest edition of American Citizens. My name is Gray. I'm here with Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello. And we have a week in review to do, basically, um, because we have not come to you in, well, about a week, a little over a week by the time you're hearing this. So, there two games have happened since then. There's another third, a big game on Sunday that we are going to briefly touch on in our time together here, so... What we're what we're gonna do? We're we're going to talk more about the most recent game against Watford, in large part because the Leicester debacle has been so autopsied repeatedly by literally everyone on the internet that at this point, you, you know what? Though I do want to say this. We're gonna so say, I say a few say words about it. So go ahead. Okay. Well, what I want to say, what I want to say is like, do you remember when I said that I could see a team like Chelsea? basically setting up saying, okay, we know Guardiola teams are going to press high, go three at the back, basically leave the counter completely open. Yes. Yeah, that same principle applies to Leicester City. I didn't say it then, but it still does, and the results were bait. It's not even really a secret. It's no secret how they set up. They won the title playing like that. No, yeah, I know, which is crazy to me. Like... Guardiola, it, it is literally like a you know a, a fighter going up against a lesser fighter with a weakness that happens to be the lesser fighter's greatest strength, and the game played out exactly like you'd imagine. It was like the other heavyweight fighters when they tried to fight Mike Tyson. Because he was so diminutive, he could get in there and destroy the body, and there was nothing they could do about it because they couldn't trade that much power with him at that close a range. Pep Guardiola sets up to be beaten on the counter, and Lester happily obliged. That was the most it's maddening. Yeah, that was the most frustrating part because he should know better, and everyone should know better. The defensive positioning was terrible. They don't know how to deal with with counterattacks and. Uh, that's that's why I think the contrast with the Watford game that we're going to get to is going to be interesting because I think we, 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 there were some things that, that, that stood out to me. Um, and the thing he said today, he said in his press conference today, today being Friday as we record this, I'm not sure exactly when you'll be hearing it, but he said in his press conference on Friday, um, per Sam Lee, who's, who tweeted this out, um, he basically said there's no point in pressing when Premier League teams have the ball at the back because they're just going to hoof it long, and it's more important than the second and third phases because they don't play it out from the back, which is a thing that happened more in Spain and Germany than does here. Um, and it's like, you know, good, because <laughs> pressing all the way at the back, as he said, is it's kind of a pointless waste of energy when teams are just going to hoof it long against you and not play out from the back. Um, and then it just gives you gives them more of an opportunity to hit you on the counter, which is what has been happening repeatedly and causing them all sorts of troubles. So I think there has been some adaptation recently that we're starting to figure out a few things about England that just don't fly. And everyone said, you know, oh, you know, everyone's going to say the the English game is beating him, I guess. But, you know, he always said he was going to adapt. So I just take it as that. But that was interesting to me. Um, but yeah, basically that was terrible, and they set up to get beaten, and they got the fate they deserved, and the scoreline flattered them at the end in the 4-2. It's really all I have to say about that. 
Yeah, I I mean, the, the, the most frustrating part for me about Watford, if, if you want to call it even about Watford, is just the fact that City have lost yet another key player for uh, – uh, a significant duration. Basically, the yeah. season, yeah. And you know what, dude? This was this was every city fan's worry when they bought him. And and it's you know that's why City got him on the cheap. Yep, yep. I mean, a risk worth taking, but it, I think everyone was it though. Yes, I would say yes. I see. I, the results would say no. The money spent versus the results that you've gotten from Gundogan. Now, now, moving forward, the results of this can change. I am just strictly saying, as of the present date, the present date and the present contributions, it was not a risk worth taking. Whether or not this pans over the out of the long term is still completely open for discussion. That that that's down the line. Yeah. It's still there. Anything can happen. That's fair. I'm just in a vacuum. Gundawan's investment has been a poor one. Yeah. I would I would note there are moments where you can do the right thing and have it still backfire on you too. Like, but Sure, uh, Fabian Delph. Yeah. Um but, you know, Obviously, this season is going to be written off as a lost cause, and they're not going to get the return on the investment from him. And that's awful, and I feel awful for him because he worked so hard to come back from a back injury. Um, no, it was it, there's been a back and a knee, and this is the same knee. And it's, you know, we, you've talked at, at length about the risk inherent in this, and I was always arguing that, you know, risk worth taking. And I'm still going to stick by that, but, you know, you, you probably look... I know you don't want to look smart on this, but you look pretty smart on it today. Yeah, but it's not something that you want to be smart about. You know, it's one of those things that I wished it worked out differently. I wish it. I hope it does work out differently. And you know what? Kevin De Bruyne's injury was probably 20 times worse than this, in my opinion, at least visually. Um. I, I had to turn around and walk away from the television the minute the Everton defender snagged him down because I knew what was coming. It was sort of like when Anderson Silva threw the kick. For whatever reason, my brain just said, look away. Um, I, I, like I lost where I was going with that. But, but I'll, I'll say this, man. When, when you look at what City needed – Gundogan fit the bill. I mean, he he absolutely checked all the boxes that City needed. And look, <sighs> find me find me a player on City who hasn't spent a significant spell of time on the sidelines. Um, there's only really like one or two who who are that sort of machine and don't get injured. And then there are some that you wish would get it. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, the, between Zabaleta, uh, you know, whether it's uh, Silva, uh, Silva's, Silva's and his Aguero, ankle company obviously. and his calf, Aguero and his entire body, Delph and his entire body, you know, City just seemed to get hit with injuries. And, and, 
I don't know, man. They either need to do uh, – maybe they need to stop taking chances on injury-prone pl- players would be my guess. That's probably part of it. But, um, you know, half the guys we talked about, that rep seems to have developed more recently. I mean, did Aguero have an extensive injury history when City signed him? I don't recall. Um, same with Silva. So, you know, Gundogan, yeah, that's a fair point. And I think that – there, there were exceptions made because he was so specifically suitable for the system they were going to try to institute. But, you know, yeah, I, I think that he, these injury problems, they go back such a long way and it's it's strange. But it, the problem is they happen to be such skilled players. Like we talked about Aguero and Silva and company who have been the spine of the team for so long. And... The the fact that they're injury prone really exacerbates some problems. So that's something that I can agree with you on. But if I think I am more convinced now that they are going to go hard for something in the transfer market in January at this point because I don't think they have a choice. Yeah, and and now you have to look at possibly picking up like maybe a young defender of some or a young center midfielder of some kind. I don't know. Oh, maybe do you look at a Davy proper? Do you look, you know, I, I don't. <clears throat> Raja Nyangalan has been a prize for I don't know how many people. You know, there's another guy who kind of services that same function as Gunduan can sort of go box to box, has motor for days. Um, <clears throat> but if you're going into the market in January, you're probably not spending a lot. And if you're going after somebody like a Nyangalin or, or so on or so forth, it's going to cost you a lot. Yeah. And City have already spent a lot. So whatever they get, I, I wouldn't be at all shocked if, if, if maybe they attended elsewhere and maybe brought up one of their own midfielders and just kind of let him play. Alex Garcia, anyone? That's kind of what I was thinking, but I didn't want to say it because I feel like if I say it, that puts a curse on it. Well, I'll say it because I, I'm willing, I will willingly accept the blame for whatever nonsense comes out of that when he, you know, his leg becomes detached during the next game he plays and things happen. So you can pin that. You can you can put that evil on me. I will, Ricky Bobby. Don't you worry. I will. <laughs> All right. So with the injury, with the bad part of the Watford game out of the way, um, we can get to the good part, which is that they won and they kept a clean sheet. Never mind that it was nearly another performance where, um, uh, what's his face? Odeon Gallo. Odeon oh, Gallo nearly Gallo. scored with 10 minutes to go that would have made it 1-1 and City immediately went down and actually killed off the game and ended up winning it 2-0. But... There were some things I saw that were different, and I know that I'm not the only one making this observation, but it felt like they were playing a little differently with a little bit more emphasis on, you know, just stay solid at the back, prevent counterattacks, let's not do anything high risk and stupid, is the impression I got from it. (laughs) Yeah, you know, there seems to be some adaptation. One, one, one has to wonder whether it's a result of the amount of injuries City have sustained or whether it's a result of the ass-kicking City have sustained or whether it's a combination of the both of them. Um, but the, what we do know is that Pep is a guy who will adapt. And I, 
a lot of people are writing City off and saying that this is going to be a lost season, um, you know, sitting, what, seven points back on Chelsea Correct. in fourth place right now. Chelsea's There's title a lot to lose. Yeah, but I I think that's a load of crap, especially when people are talking about December. Look, people man, say this, this is the prom- all the time. People get yeah, this so is- excited over the table in, in December. So like like six points is some insurmountable gap from December. Like Chelsea you, aren't going to look, rather, man. This- you would rather be there than not be there, but at the same time. That doesn't mean anything necessarily. Right. A couple of ties here, a couple of wins there, two it's, points It's really adds up. easy to forget that Chelsea went through an absolutely brutal run of form early in the season. And people were thinking, oh, are they going to get fourth place? Well, things turn quickly. Things turn quickly in the Premier League, either for you or against you. You never mm-hmm. know exactly what's going to happen. They could go on a run of five winless starting right now, and then everyone will be right back in it immediately. So yeah, I'm not and, prepared to make that pronunciation. And in, in, in City gaining Gabriel Jesus could completely change the dynamic of what their attack is. There's a reason they went after this kid. There's a reason this kid has succeeded at every level in which he's played. Um, it wouldn't shock me if he came over in mid-December and had an instant impact. That's kind of sort of what he's been expected to do. Um, and for, to his credit, he's done it, you know, uh, Brazil needed that front line to get going. And honestly, he outplayed Gabby goal, who a lot of people have rated as the higher prospect at the moment, but most people consider Gabriel Jesus to be the long-term project with the higher ceiling. And you're starting to see that right now they're both kind of right around the same playing level. And so if you can get Gabriel Jesus and get him fully integrated into that offense, he provides City with something that I don't think they have right now, and that's a really freaking confident shooter. Yeah, I was talking to some people on Twitter from our account, at America Citizens, by the way. Um, and if you're wondering why we didn't solicit questions for this particular pod, it's because we are doing this in a hurry. Um Due to time constraints on both of them. Rogue One, baby. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I was talking to some people on our Twitter who, who and one of them mentioned, and I should probably go back and look so I can credit who who said this, um, which I will do right now as I'm making the point. But it was I, probably like Matt Cares, some, something like that. I was talking that. to someone. Let's have a look at the notifications here. But the point that they made was was were city um using did, did city not have enough quality finishers up front like the the our city's attacking players cuz you look at a silva and you look at um sterling you look sterling, at sene yeah so, um, god knows jesus not not, not a goal us. scoring threat um Yeah, it was a blues cluiser that said this to me was, you know, not enough finishers in the squad. They're all ballplayers. And I say my response to that was, well, it's easy to say that. And there's probably maybe a a grain of truth to it, but it's not like I think there's way more than a grain of truth to it. I, I, I think City have lacked that that just consistent ability to finish. And we've talked about this. 
You know, when David Silva was scoring goals for Spain, you and I were sitting there saying, you know, why the hell can't he do this for City? Um, and then he come back and pop in one or two and make you think that he's going to get going. But for a guy who's dubbed the magician, he sure can't make the rabbit appear in the net. Um, I, I, I look at Raheem Sterling and I see finishing Oh man, he's got some great goals underneath his belt this year alone. There, to me, I don't think he'll ever top that that curler against Gladback. I I swear to God, I must have jumped through the ceiling when he hit that curler, that one city the group. That was just oh, I could watch that goal over and over again. That one's up there with Aguero for me in terms of just sheer joy in the moment. Not necessarily what it meant, just sheer joy in the moment. Um. But uh, he's so hit or miss with his finishing. And then Sané, I haven't seen anything out of him yet. I'm waiting for that dude to, to, to start delivering. He's flashed, but not near what people said he would. And he may need time to settle in. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not worried about it. He's young. He's got time underneath his belt. He's flashed. I think those would be important things. Uh, but Jesus Navas, man, you could give him a thousand shots and he's going to probably hit one. Should just, I, I, we should just put the, the gif of him missing that chance against Crystal Palace last dude, year. Dude, was that the one that went all the way to the side, like the sideline? So. It went out, out, out of touch? I, I, don't, I think we're thinking of different things. I'm thinking of the thing where he was literally around the keeper and missed the open goal. Oh, no, I'm talking about the one where he went to rip a shot and he was staring straight at the net and somehow or another the shot that he ripped went out to touch on the left-hand side and he was on the right-hand side, like, on the wing. I'm like, how the hell did you put it? Like, dude, it was the most glorious shot. He, I have the video of it and I'll find it and send it to Excellent. you. Excellent. I think I remember this happening. I just... Don't remember when. I can't happened. remember who it was against. Yeah. I'm, you know, everyone's always like, oh, it was against so-and-so. I've never been that guy. I remember moments, but I... I'm that, I, I'm that guy it, sometimes, but not in this instance. But, uh, yeah, no, I just think that, you know, to, to be brief here, I think that Gabriel Jesus really does provide a bite that City are sorely missing. Yeah, a nose for the net is one thing. You know, and, and supposedly Ianacho has it. Aguero used to have it. <clears throat> but neither one of those guys, well, Ianacho does. Maybe not so much anymore. But there's a certain amount of fearlessness that Jesus plays with. And I think that that, more than anything else, is something that City desperately needs up front. Because they are not playing with a ton of confidence up front. When you used to watch Bayern Munich's teams up up top, man, they loved having possession of the ball. They believed they were going to score every time they had it anywhere near the box. Yeah, yeah. And and there's none of that with City. There's no confidence. There's there's so much talent, but you're telling me that talent can't produce goals by the minute? Yeah. I think they can We've come and, a and long, it, long way down from the uh, Aguero, Jeco, Tevez, Balotelli quartet, haven't we? And pretty say much. What, say what you will about um, Tevez and Balotelli in particular. They were never lacking in confidence, and Tevez in particular was never lacking in desire. 
and, nope. and that fearlessness that you talked and about. nobody ever worried about a thing when Balotelli stepped up to take a penalty right he was inconsistent in so many ways but confidence was never something he was lacking in so um yeah it, it, we've gone a long way down from that um and 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 I think that 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 uh, that lack of depth because when one guy isn't firing one guy who's capable of firing like you look at Aguero who's capable of it but isn't you look at one guy, they're so reliant on that because if it's that one guy isn't doing it, then no one else is really doing it. That's why I'm not opposed to City getting rid of Aguero because I think if you get rid of Aguero, you change the dynamic of the team, and I don't think it's for the worse. Right now, it's sort of like having Shaq. It's like, get the ball to Shaq. Get the ball to Shaq. Well, you know, Shaq's not doing shit right now. So let's get the ball to Kobe. But City don't have a Kobe then is the when De Bruyne is not a, playing. Then is the solution to go get a Kobe? Well, De Bruyne is your Kobe. Yes. You just need to develop him out as such. And and the only way to do that is to pair him with somebody who can score. And and right now, I I would be more inclined to see what Gabriel Jesus could do for City than Sergio Aguero right now. I'm I'm... If I had Sergio Aguero on my fantasy squad, he wouldn't even be playing. Right. Um, well, I I mean, you compare it with, and it's not fair to compare front lines to Barca, but they have three world-class finishers up there, and it's such a big deal. You look at Bayern under Guardiola, and obviously you have Muller, but, you know, guys like Ribery and Robin are no slouches in that department. Um the guys that City have... Lewandowski. Lewandowski, He's playing obviously. for country. Yeah, for you country. Know, club excuse me he's unstoppable you don't even need to mention that name because he's so good but um you look at the guys that city have de bruyne can finish obviously but like we talked about everyone else kind of lacks that 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 quality um and even the guys who are good at it can sometimes be inconsistent at it and finishing slumps are not a thing that's just limited to you know certain players a lot of people go through them at times, but when one city player goes through a finishing slump who's good at it, then you're kind of left with a bad situation. So um, the other question I want to ask while we're on this topic is, is part of it chance creation or is it just, you know, we're creating enough chances these guys just aren't finishing them? Um, I think it's yes, it's both. Like, chance creation can be a problem in certain games, and in other games they can create plenty of chances but lack that that clinical finishing edge. Um, I think your problem is, is, is more that the team tends to fire as the front line fires. If the front line is going well, then, then like you said, the team goes well. It's a confidence, um, and, and it's a team wide confidence thing, isn't it? Because when you got, is. when you go like, okay, you go one nil up, you can, the game can still turn on a, on a counter attack. When you go two nil up, then you're looking at an entirely different dynamic in most games because then teams are thinking, oh, gee, we got to score. We got to find a way to score two just to, you know, get out of here with a point. Um, the, 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 the pressure goes off the attackers because, you know, not saying that they lose, that they lose whatever instinct they have to score, but the pressure to, you know, either get the lead, get the lead, get the lead, or kill the game, kill the game, kill the game, it, it's relieved a bit. And they, I think it helps them play a bit more freely. 
And that's why their failure to get the second goal in so many of these games has been such a huge problem, because the confidence that I think comes with a two-goal lead in, in the Premier League, and for Man City in particular, is enormous, and it allows them to play a bit more freely and a bit more on their terms and a little less tight, I guess. But the, they just got their pressure. first home win in three right. freaking months against Watford, man. Like, Which should not be an accomplishment. Watford's a team that should know, be being at home all day long. It's just, honestly, there's so much Pellegrini in this team that I think Guardiola is realizing this is a bigger project than I thought. It's part of it a mentality problem. I think so, yes. Yeah. I really and do. That's not, we've been saying that for years. I remember Gary Neville immediately after they lost to Crystal Palace. This was two years ago now um, in the in the 14-15 season, so a year, a little bit over a year and a half. You immediately said, it's a mentality problem. And I don't have, I have no reason, I, in the time since that assertion, I have seen no reason to question it because this is a team with enough talent that... To, to turn it on, um, at least in, in most regards, that they should be able to beat most of the teams in this league, and they have failed to do that. So It's not even that. It's that when City get punched in the mouth off a first goal, even if it's what, what, what really tends to do it is when the first goal is something spectacular, like maybe sort of, oh, sh- that came out of nowhere. City all of a sudden get this gobsmacked look on their face like they, you know, got punched in the junk. And, and you know, there's a noticeable difference between, and I keep coming back, we keep coming back to teams like Barca and Bayern, because that's who City say they want to be. When Barca or, or Bayern, maybe not so much Bayern this year, but, but even still, yeah, this year, kind of, when, when they're scored upon, there's an urgency on their behalf to press and go and score. It it's wakes just them up a little that bit. You get that goal back. They it don't wakes, waste the same thing them, with Barca. It wakes them up a little bit, doesn't it? It like gives them that kick yeah. in the pants to, like, okay, get going. This is not acceptable. And then when Barca turn it on, you cannot stop them. When Barca are like, we need a goal. They're just, you should just assume that they're going to get it. How they're going to get it, who knows? But it almost always comes. And City, for I don't know how long, I mean, probably unless you go back to that Mancini era, I haven't seen a team that, that, and this includes the Guardiola era, that they feel like they have to score once somebody scores on them. Even under Guardiola, this looks like a team that has no idea what to do when somebody takes it to them first. And that's one of the things that I really thought would have changed by now, and it hasn't. And I don't think it's on Pep. So if it's not on Pep, then it's got to be on the players. I think the disease goes a bit deeper than we realized, so to speak. And, then, yeah. you know, you can bring in some new players and you can bring in a new coach who's going to, like, Who's who's not going to stand for this? But you know, it's not like he can switch out the whole team and just be like, "Okay, you play hard." Um, but yeah, I think that there's something of 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 a sickness that just runs a lot deeper than we realized it did. And I think that that maybe we should have known because watching them last year when they had every incentive to play hard and and come back and they didn't. They didn't. Yeah, you know, 
you look at when they made the announcement, um, they, you know, there were two schools of thought. It's either going to destabilize the club or it's going to really spur some of those players on to cement their places. And I think, you know, with a, with a squad with a stronger mentality, I think that the latter would have happened. Um, but the former but the, happened. But, because... No, the funny part is, is I don't think either happened. I think City stayed the same that they were. People just seem to think they get wor- were getting worse. No, I think it was, City were the same team throughout. They were just a team that was always on the decline. Sure, they eventually ended up worse, but I, I think they were headed there anyway. It wouldn't have mattered if they announced that Jim Bob Cooter was going to be the new coach. <laughs> I, I still think it was going to happen. I, I, I legitimately don't think City changed at all during that period. That's and that's point. what struck me the most. That's fair. People expected them to be galvanized or to totally fall apart. This is a team that chose apathy. Yeah, that's that, that's fair. That's a very fair point. Um, and, and I think that's what frustrates the most is that, you know, there well, there was a school of thinking that was, you know, oh, they're going to kick on now. And then they won the trophy, which a lot of people also thought was going to lead them to kick on. And then it just nothing happened. Nothing di- nothing happened differently. Um, and I think maybe we should have known at that point how deep this ran because – they had so many factors that could have and should have motivated them to do better than they did last season, and they didn't do it. Um, and and I think that it's not down to talent. It's not necessarily down to anything but a mentality in the squad that I think some people have been allowed to get too comfortable um, because, you know, how bad do... Uh, how how bad does how bad do players have to play yeah. before they're replaced? Yeah. Like what I mean, what does Alexander Kolarov have to do? Yeah, to that's be literally this? what I was going to say. Why some of these fullbacks? What incentive do they do they have to fight for their place when they're not signing anybody or they're not replacing anybody? Um, you know, the same spine ultimately has been relied upon for a long time. You look at even the incomings like. De Bruyne and Sterling didn't really displace any regulars that needed, you know, that needed that kick up of the pants. Yaya Torre was basically guaranteed a job even when he wasn't really doing much um, because the midfield depth, they just never really, you know, they signed Fernando and Delph and neither of them have shown any reason to be, you know, on the, t- on the club, in the, in the, in the best 11. Um, on the club, I'll go one yeah, step further. Think, Neither I, one of them have shown that they're a city player. I think Fernando has. Actually, you know what? I take that back. Both of them have shown that they're a city player because right now city are a bunch of non-trying bastards who don't give a damn what happens regardless of how it happens. So those two are perfectly fine city players. They're not the ideal but they sure match the present reality. I mean, you look at the, the ultimate point I would make is that you look at the uh, the, the players who, who 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 played regularly in the, the just in the title winning season um, of thirteen fourteen and the season after that of fourteen fifteen. Um, Navas is not really someone I worry about trying hard. It's just, he's deficient in quality in certain areas that matter. Um, 
No one's been. No one's going to displace Aguero. No one's going to displace Silva. No one's going to displace. No one has up until this year. No one has really displaced Yaya Torre. Um, a company has always been sort of a guaranteed starter when he's fit enough to do so. Kolarov tends to survive no matter. And Kolarov and Klichy, it doesn't really matter. They tend to get plenty of game time um, because they're never replaced. Uh, I mean, you look at at these regulars. Um, Obviously, James Milner left, which is a big part of where... And, and Frank Lampard was on that 14-15 side that played a lot. They were effectively replaced with um, guys like Sterling and De Bruyne. So it wasn't a player who had already been here. They left. So they were just filling open slots instead of actually making someone compete for a spot. I think that some people have just gotten too comfortable because it's been the same spine for so long, and they relied so long, they focused so long on not signing, you know, top-caliber players, but sort of these squad players that could augment that. And that, mm-hmm. I think, led to the, 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 uh, the com- I guess, complacency is the word for it, because, you know, Wilford Bonnie never showed any, any reason to displace anyone, um... It didn't matter how Wilford well... Wilford Bonney never showed anything. No, he never showed anything. It never seemed to matter how well Iheanacho played because Aguero was always going to start over him. And I'm not saying Aguero is necessarily the worst defender, but you look at guys at the fullback positions and it's like, well, they have signed... The only guy that they have signed since the... Since the first... Since the Mancini era, the only fullback they've signed is Bakri Sanya. Sanya, yep. So, it, you know, it's like... And they don't even get really extensively linked to fullbacks in the transfer market that much. They don't. And, and so you, you look at it, and if I'm Kolarov or if I'm Klichy, um, you know, I'm thinking, well, I don't seem to be under much threat here. Nope. So I, I'm on good contract. I'm on good wages. Nothing I gave, do. They gave Kolarov a new contract after the 13-14 season. So, you know, you're rewarding that. You're rewarding whatever they've done up to that point. And when you do that, they're going to think, well, all right, I'm apparently doing good enough. City are just trying to ride out, I think, a lot of these contracts so that a lot of these wages come off the books. I think that's true. And when these these wages come off the books, there's going to be a spending spree, the likes of which football's not seen. And I think that City are going to completely replace the team, and they're going to do it by slowly getting rid of people. Um, I think that in all actuality, the biggest problem with this season is City fans set their expectations too high. They thought Guardiola could come in and change everything. And quite simply, he cannot. The Premier League is too good. Too many other teams were already just way too stacked Um, Like, you know, Liverpool were a team that were waiting for a competent coach to come along with one or two acquisitions. A lot of youth on that team, sure, but they they almost they almost won a title under Brendan Rodgers. Right, right. (laughs) And, you know, I, I mean, so this is a team that were loaded to the brim. Chelsea, same thing. One of the best youth academies in the world. Now, I thankfully, think, Cities is right up there with yeah, them, and, and it the, is basically the, competing. The thing now. is, everyone's going to immediately look at Conte and Chelsea and be like, well, why can't we do that? And I think I, the, the explanation for that, in part, is because we're dealing with a different sort of mentality problem. 
Yep. City's mentality problem goes back a ways and is down to complacency and and that sort of thing. Chelsea's mentality problem was down to the fact that their former coach so completely beat the confidence out of every single player in that squad and made them hate what they do that they yeah that it basically needed they only they only needed someone who was going to come in and massage those egos and give them back their freedom and a, a really you know, I don't want to say Conti's system is simplistic, but it's not really. There's not a lot of. of you know, no, there's not a lot to, to it. it, which makes it which makes it all the easier for that team to latch onto and succeed. Now, that's not an excuse for Guardiola's system, but if you're if you're trying to frame it in the context of well, what should I expect for the season? If you thought that everyone was going to adapt quickly to a total football, very complex type system that Guardiola plays with the players that we had, where they were currently at in their careers, then I think that the problem is not with the team, but rather with the expectations. Yeah, that's fair. And just to dovetail on that point, I think Chelsea's mentality problem was a lot easier, simpler, and quicker a fix than the one that City are, are still facing. Sure, and all Chelsea really had to do was get a defender or two, and they were already set. Uh, they've not they've to got mention, a... Not to mention a coach who can set up a very, very competent defense. I yeah. Mean, you watch Italy in any international tournament, and it's just like, okay, it doesn't really seem to matter what who they're up against or what they have. They're always going to limit the other team. Um, and that, that, that's all, that, that's just Conti, you know, that's down to, you know, you put sort of a solid backbone in place, you make the players enjoy what they do again, and you install a system like that, and you do get that defender or two, and, you know, they were never that far, but they were never as bad talent-wise as they were last year, so they were always, I thought they were always going to snap back to a certain extent. I didn't really expect them to be this good this year, but when you sit down and think about it, it makes some sense that their problems were pretty fixable when he walked yeah. in the door. He, he just had to, to mend a few things, to figure out a situation or two, and then sit back and, and coach, so to speak. Right. So I think the expectations were, and I, I said this recently, and I said, you know, when I said during the preseason this was going to be a transitional year, you know, a lot of people weren't going to like that. And I accepted that a lot of people weren't going to like that. But, you know, sometimes the truth hurts. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Unfortunately for City, the truth is hurting a lot more, yeah. a lot more, a, a lot, lot more. more. Uh, and I think that more. obviously I'm, that, that the, the uh, run of consecutive victories to start the season did not help temper those expectations one bit. No, especially not with the way City were playing in some of those games, yeah. you know, because, hammering you home know, four and five goals. You watch the United game and you sit there and it's impossible not to get excited. So. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, you know, at, at, this, at this point, I'm just interested to see what City do in January and how they come back out, you know, I would say of the winter break, but England doesn't believe in holidays or time off, <clears throat> um, which Man City could sorely freaking use right now. Um, I hope they get that bargained in. I really do. 
I mean, a winter break is it's just common sense, man. Yeah. Um, especially with the season as long as soccer's Obviously, as soon as, soon as it's a, over, it starts. Yeah. We we have a perspective I think that's a bit different than some of our listeners might because we are not brought up in the English culture and the significance of the festive Boxing Day New Year's period may not be as much for us as it may be for you. But from an hour, I'm not our, saying don't have outsiders. one Boxing Day game. Yeah. Why can't why can't you split the middle? Why can't you give them some time off, have a Boxing Day fixture across the league, continue the break, and then pick up and extend the season by a couple of weeks? Yeah, I mean Spain plays basically till the end of May, so. Yeah, why can't you? Why can't you? And just I do think split it hurts the them in the in Europe. I think it hurts them in Europe. I think it, um, it puts them at a risk of injury. But you know, that's just our perspective here. But. I, I uh, it just makes sense to me. Yeah, it just sucks when when your team is coming back because they played through December and got a boatload of injuries. And oh look, right around the first of Jan- right around the middle of January, guess what's here? The knockout stages. But you don't have your team because they got beat the hell up in the crappy right. conditions yeah, of the yeah, winter break. December and January just ate them alive, and then when time yep. comes for that, you know. You're dealing and then with, they went on the international break. Yep. <laughs> well, we can rant forever. Dealing with more rested players in Europe that coming from Spain and Germany and yada, 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 yada. So, bit, real quick here. Arsenal on Sunday. I assume that your expectations for this game are not terribly high. No, I've, they're, they're very low for this game. I would be surprised if City allow less than four. Wow. That's pessimism. I'm. I'm. I, I feel. The I need don't to be have a lot of. I, I. I. Yeah, but look at the scores against teams that play like Arsenal. Look at what they've been. Yeah, they've been ridiculously lopsided games. So if history tells me that City cannot play against pacey teams with the ability to finish, then why would I suddenly change my opinion? You shouldn't. I'm going to be blindly optimistic now and call for a two-two draw. Because I I'm, like it. I'll take it. I'm going to. I'm just gonna be bold, you know. Hey, hey, be bold, dude. And if boldness leads to good things, then all the better for us. Because I'm not. I'm not like advocating yeah, for City to lose. Hoping they lose by four goals. <laughs> no, no. It's just what experience teaches you and what you want to happen are oftentimes not the same thing. Especially yeah. if you're a fan of some of the teams that Gray and I support, you know, mm-hmm. the whole typical city thing is just it fits right in. I'm still waiting for the nine and four Detroit Lions to miss the playoffs. Uh, well, you know, it's I'm coming. still waiting for the four and nine Rams to not get blown out <laughs> in national television. Jeff, at least Jeff Fisher got fired. Yeah, but what does it matter? What does it matter? I suppose it depends on. Well, we we could talk about this for a while too because well, yeah, because gets... we can talk about no, no, there is no GM. Have you seen Les Need? No, you've seen <laughs> Kevin Demoff. I'm assuming Kevin Demoff is not yeah. the GM. So we, I'm sure we could talk about it in the sense of it depends on what Stan Kroenke decides to do, but we'd have to have an Arsenal fan on for that one. Yeah, um, and we're not, we don't, yeah, Stan Kroenke is not a friend of ours, so. 
Alas. Um, all right. Is there anything else that you would like to bring to our attention this week? Um, yeah, just that Kyle, uh, uh, or, or excuse me, not Kyle, Kevin McGuire and I of NBC's College Football Talk have started our own website called Hyrule Huddle, um, dedicated to a mix of sports, game, video games, and nerd culture. And uh, I encourage people to go check it out. We've got a couple podcasts up, and uh, we're going to be doing some reviews, too. I'm going to see Rogue One right now. Um, so uh, if you get the chance, check that out. And uh, also, we will be back. We The winter break, there is no winter break for Gray or I. So we will be back. And as soon as the transfer day opens, Gray and I will get to discussing about how we're going to cover the transfer window. Um, maybe we'll have a huge transfer day special um, about the middle of transfer day. And we'll see what the with the old rock kicks over for Manchester City. We will see indeed. Ha, nerds. <laughs> As if I'm not sitting here, one of them. Um, yeah, that's, that's you are. We, yeah, we, we accept this. So if you are into that sort of thing, you should check out the website. Quality, quality content. And we remain active at America Citizens um, on Twitter. If you don't follow us there, you should follow us. Um, in the future, we'll probably be back to slightly less hack night and we'll be able to take your questions again. We love doing that. So that is, that is on us this time, but we look forward to hearing from you again, um, in that regard in the future. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, American, American citizens with a Y search for us there. We are free on iTunes. You can subscribe to our podcast there. We are as ever sponsored by blog talk radio and on behalf of Josh, my name is Gray. Thanks for listening. We'll be back at you again pretty soon. Um, we will talk to you. Enjoy the game. Have a great weekend, everybody. Later!